Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. Truly, God sent you to Canada. I'm kidding. Amen. All right, what's the title of our teaching series so far? The makings of the man of the spirit. And today we're going to be focusing on something very important. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so far we've been speaking about the makings of the man of the spirit. And the first most important thing that we've emphasized and you've probably learned from the teaching series is that every believer is a man of the spirit. What did I say? Every believer is a man of the spirit. Well, why is that? Because every believer is born of the spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, where's your Bible, everybody? Creative is big. Where's your writing material? Can we just now you could have taken that to school if you are coming back? Are you sure you prepared? Uh-uh. Arsenal at the left. <laughs> Bible at the right. Okay. <laughs> Glory to God. All right. So are you ready now? Are you ready now? Okay. All right. So we said every believer is a man of the spirit. And, you know, I've said that there are consequences of that statement that must be evident in the life of every believer. Amen. Because if you say you're a man of the spirit, well, there's an expectation. I said there are nuances of a man of the spirit, right? There is a way of life of a man of the spirit, right? There are things that must be consistent in the life of a man of the spirit. And there are things that must be dead in the life of a man of the spirit. Hallelujah. I said no one meets Christ and remains the same. I remember the analogy I gave. You remember? If a guy walks into this room wearing a tux, looking so nice, looking very clean, and he says, guys, do you know what just happened? And you're like, oh, what happened? Just by the turning, just as I entered into Walker, as I was coming here, I saw a lion. And I fought the lion like we fought. Like, I almost lost my life, but the lion almost lost his life too. Like, I fought so hard. But thank God I survived. Well, what would you tell the person? You don't look like what you went through. How would you fight the lion and be this way? Or someone says, guys, I got hit by a truck. Well, if you were hit by a truck, it will be evident that you were hit by a truck. Amen? And in the same way, if you met Jesus, it must be evident that you met Jesus. Hallelujah. And that's why we're saying that a man of the Spirit, anyone who says he's a man of the Spirit, it must be evident in his life that he's a man of the Spirit. Amen? No one meets Christ and remains the same. No one receives the Holy Ghost and remains the same. No one receives the holiness of God and continues in sin. Something must give. Unless you did not truly meet Jesus unless you did not truly meet the power of God. Remember the Apostle Paul? He was the greatest enemy to the move of God in their time. But the day he met Jesus, everything changed. He became one of the greatest weapons for the kingdom of God. Are you understanding what I'm saying? When you meet with Christ, something must change. And that's the point of this whole series. That you don't remain the same person you were before Christ. That you do a self-evaluation from time to time and say, do I look like a man of the spirit? 
Am I meeting up to God's standard for my life? Am I meeting up to God's idea for me? Because you must be growing. As a man of the Spirit, you must be growing in consecration. As a man of the Spirit, you must be growing in sanctification. As a man of the Spirit, you must be growing in assurance. You must be moving upward always. You must be transformed into God's idea of That's why there must be that self-evaluation, that passions check, that self-check. Am I meeting up to God's targets for my life? That's the point of the whole series. Can I be morphed into God's idea? Can there be a metamorphosis of my life where I'm changed into who I need to be? I'm transformed into who God sees me to be. Is Are you following me? There must be growth. What did I say? There must be growth. What did I say? Open your Bibles very quickly. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 8. You see, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 4 verse 8, it says, But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not God. Listen, he's telling you the story of who you were before you met Christ. He said, when you did not know God, you serve things that by nature are not God. And that is why you can't be the same person you were before you met Christ, now that you've met Christ. He was talking to the church in Galatia. And he said, listen, before you guys knew God, there were things you used to do. You were subject to things that were not right. You served things other than God. But now that you are of God, well, it must be evident. Now that you've met God, in, in verse 9 it says, but now you have known God, or rather you are known by God. Well, why did he say that? Because God took the step in your salvation. Are you seeing what I'm saying? He says you are known by God. How is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? So he's saying, if you've left those things behind, how is it that you are still going back to those things? And that's why when you do a, a comparison between who you used to be and who you are now, they must not be the same. Are you listening to what I'm saying? If you get saved and the things you were doing before you got saved are still the same things you're doing now, well, there's a problem. Are you following me? In the latter part, in verse 17, it says, they zealously caught you, but for no good. Yet, they want to exclude you that you may be zealous for them. He's talking about the things of the world. He says, but it is good to be zealous in good things always and not only when I'm present with you. In 19, he says, my little children for whom I labor in birth pain or birth again until Christ be formed in you. Let's read it together, verse 19. One to go. Until what? Christ is, this is the reality of the man in Christ. And this is a pastor talking to his church. He says, I labor again for you until Christ is formed in you. Until Christ is formed in your members. Until all that you have in your life exudes that you are of Christ. Are you seeing what I'm saying? And that's growth. That you become a man of the spirit. That is evident in the things you do. The things you say. That you are a man of the spirit. It must be evident. We've spoken about sanctification. Do you remember the teaching? I think that was Wednesday, last week. Thursday, sorry. Thursday, last week. We spoke about sanctification. What did we say sanctification is? To make holy. We spoke about the fact that the impact of the spirit in the believer is to make him holy. Right? To set him apart unto God. 
And we said the holiness of God produces moral uprightness. Are you getting it? Do you remember that? That's an attribute of a man of the spirit. Sanctification. That there is moral uprightness in the believer. We spoke also about consecration, right? That the man of the spirit must be consecrated. How did we explain that? That was on Sunday. Do you remember? Yes or no? Yes? What did we say? That anything that is holy and set apart to God, even though there must be moral uprightness, that's not all there is to it. That anything separate to God is unto God and God is a jealous God. Are you seeing what I'm saying? That you cannot set, you cannot use anything that is set apart to the worship of God for other things. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So when you say you are holy, you are saying you are set apart for God, it means that you are exclusively given to the service of God. Are you seeing what I'm saying? And that's why there's the Shema. He says, you shall have no other God but me. He says, I'm the Lord your God. You shall have no other God. God is jealous like that. If he says you are holy, it means you are exclusively for him. Remember when they took the utensils in the temple and they used it to eat? There was judgment on them for that. Because anything that is holy is consecrated to God. So if the man of the spirit is consecrated, it means that the life he lives is not his own. It's for God. And not for any other thing. It means that the service of the man of the spirit is unto God. Please, are you learning something? This is important. And these two things form the bedrock of any true man of the spirit. He must have a work of sanctification and he must also have a consecrated life. And this is important. I'm telling you, this is important. Very important. The problem is that, you know, in the church today, we've dropped the ball. And that's why this teaching is going because, you know, the, there's some things I want to share. And I'll take my time to share it. I remember some of us grew up in very legalistic Christian backgrounds, right? <laughs> you cannot wear earrings. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. They can't relate. You cannot use attachments. You can't relate. Okay, that, that's good. That means you probably. Well, some people do have legalistic backgrounds. You can't use earrings. You can't, you know. You can't even wear trousers as, as, as ladies, right? So, there are a lot of things. And that was sort of like a push for sanctification. But the problem is this. In a bid to correct that, we are also going to be straight. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Because what they wanted to attain, they could not attain by laws. Are you seeing what I'm saying? They could not attain by laws. And they were not emphasizing the salvific work and the work of the Spirit in the life of their members to help them attain that righteousness. To help them attain that righteousness. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, they wanted to do it by works, but it was not working. Do you notice that churches that were like that had more ladies who got pregnant before marriage? It's, no, it's actually true. <laughs> it's very common. Very, very common. Growing up, and I'm like, what? Don't wear earrings. Don't do any of these things. You believe you touch a guy, you get pregnant. So, how come? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> now, I'm not saying this to mock anybody, but I'm saying this to the flaw of that method. Because it was just about standards that the people were failing, but they got good at hiding. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, we started talking about new generation churches in quotes. But now, these folks are very pro, do anything you like, you're going to heaven. But the problem is not still solved. Are you seeing what I'm saying? 
Because it's almost like we are dropping the ball. In the bid to preach grace, we are letting people do just any, just anyhow. Is that you getting what I'm saying? But regardless of your approach, you must realize, first of all, that salvation is by faith alone. Amen? It's by grace, true faith alone. And you see what I'm saying? But when you put that grace, is not a license to sin. It's still an empowerment to live above sin. The problem today is that I'm trying to say this very best way possible. So now we're encouraging people to do whatever they like. And it is true that no matter what you have done, if a day before you die, two minutes before you die, no matter what you've done, I can say this boldly because the scripture teaches If you truly believe the gospel, like the thief on the cross, believe Jesus. Jesus will say to you, you will see me in where? In paradise. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, we are not trying to shift the potency of grace or the potency of the salvation message. But we are trying to tell you that even though it takes faith and grace to be saved, when you are saved, you cannot continue in sin. There is no part of scripture that permits that. Remember I taught you, it is either the standards of God drop or you come up to meet God's standards. Are you getting what I'm saying? Remember, works... Not to, they did not disappear in salvation. Now, when we teach it, we teach it as though there is work. There is work. But the, the, the direction was just changed. Works do not get you saved. But now that you are saved, you must do good works. Are you seeing what I'm saying? That's the balance. And we must not forget it. You see, today I want to start by talking about orthodoxy. What is orthodoxy? Orthodoxy means to stay consistent to the true and original doctrines and traditions of the Christian faith as received from the early church. I'll say that again. Orthodoxy is, it means to stay consistent to the true and original doctrine and traditions of the Christian faith as received from the early church. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, orthodoxy means to be following the ways of the early church. And who is the center of orthodoxy? Well, Jesus. Amen. Everything Jesus taught, he taught to the early church. We must discover what that is and we must follow it. I'll say it one more time. Orthodoxy means to stay consistent to the true and original doctrines and tradition of the Christian faith as received from the early church. Does that make sense? Clear? Orthodoxy. Now, from that definition of orthodoxy, what does it mean? That the things that we saw in the early church, we must also see the church today. But the problem is we are dropping the ball. In Titus chapter 2 verse 1, the Bible says, But as for you, speak the things which are proper and which are sound doctrine. The Greek word for sound there is hugieno. I'll spell it H-U-G-I-A-I-N-O. Okay? I'll spell it one more time. H-U-G-I-A-I-N-O. Is that clear? And what does it mean? It means to be in good health. No, it says sound, meaning they say you have sound health. It means it's healthy, right? It's good, it's proper. Then doctrine there is the dascalia. So if he says that they should continue in healthy doctrine, what will we classify healthy doctrine? The doctrine they received from Christ, right? That's healthy. What we will classify as unhealthy doctrine? Anything outside of what Christ are you seeing what I'm saying? So, he says they should continue in healthy teaching. 
in healthy doctrine, that sound doctrine, that is the things you received, continue them. Don't add things that Jesus did add. He says continue them. In 2 Timothy, and that's orthodoxy because orthodoxy is about heavily about doctrine. In 2 Timothy 1.13, he says, hold fast the pattern of sound words. Hold fast. What does that mean? Take it seriously. Hold fast the form of sound word that you have heard from me in faith, in love which are in Jesus. He says, that good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Hold fast. That's orthodoxy. Is that you getting this? That's orthodoxy. Titus 1.9 He says, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able to by sound doctrine both exhort and, con- and convict those who contradict. Hold fast. Is this making sense? Hold fast. 2 Timothy 2.1 You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have... I want us to read this together. Read 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. Are you all there? So you were not opening out. 2 Timothy 2 2. Are we there now? Are we there now? Alright. Let's read together. I want to go. And the things that you have heard from me, from many witnesses, commit this to what? Who will be able to what? Are you seeing this? How is the transference of sound doctrine going to happen? By committing the things you received from Christ to faithful men who will transfer to faithful men. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So the same way I received, I'm transferring to you. And that same way you will transfer to other people. So that, it means that when we measure what you received today to what they had then must be consistent. That's orthodoxy. Are you seeing what I'm saying? That's orthodoxy. That's the same reason why when we see anybody starting, we ask, who is your father? Because someone must have, must have trained you. Because this is the safest way to transfer healthy sound doctrine. So you get what I'm saying? And this is important. Second Thessalonians 2.15. It says, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by our episode, or that, which means, or by our letter. He says, stand fast in the tradition. This is orthodoxy. Is are you listening to me? So orthodoxy is not a denomination. It's the reality of a man of the spirit. Are you seeing what I'm saying? It's not a denomination. Because if the Bible says to be orthodox, to be following the way of the early church, are we all supposed to be following the way of the early church? Yes. Did the early church pray in tongues? The early church fast? Were they evangelical? Well, every orthodox church should be. You see, orthodoxy is not a denomination. Some churches that are not termed orthodox church are even more orthodox. I'll stop them. Amen? <laughs> Amen. What it means is, when we look at the church today, do we see the same level of fervency as we saw in the early church? That's orthodoxy. Because the early church was filled with men of the spirit. So when we come to you today, are we seeing, that's why I say we've dropped the ball a lot. We're not seeing the same level of consistency. We're not seeing the same level of favor. We're not seeing the same level of charismatic expression. We're not seeing the same level of devotion and dedication. Bible says in Acts chapter 6 verse 2, it says, Then the twelve summoned the multitudes of disciples and said, 
It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and save tables. Therefore, seek amongst you seven men of what? Number one. Good reputation. Number two. Number three. And wisdom. Who we may appoint over what? So, the early church was filled with disciples who were men of the spirit. They were filled with deacons who were men of the spirit. Are you seeing what I'm saying? The apostles themselves were men of the spirit. He said, look for men. We want to appoint them over this business. These people he's talking about were ordinary disciples. Please, are you following me? They were ordinary disciples before hands were laid on them. How do people know that they were full of the Holy Ghost? Think. Yeah, probably. But all of them probably spoke in tongues too. So how did they know these guys were men of the Spirit? It was, it was observable. It was discernible from the things they did. They probably worked in greater sanctification. They probably were men consecrated to ministry. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Listen, I said this so that you would understand that if you are a man of the Spirit, it would be evident. It would be visible. If you are a man of prayer, who will know that you are a man of prayer? If you are a man of the Word, people will know you are a man of the Word. Are you seeing what I'm saying? You are not going to show them. You are not going to say, oh, you know, when you want to pray, you open your door small. That's not what I'm talking about. People will just know even if you don't say anything. These guys definitely have something. He says, we are looking for men to set over the affairs. Look for seven men for us. Men of good reputation. You think if Stephen had like two scandals, they would call him. They will not call him. Are you seeing what I'm saying? These were men of good reputation. I'm not saying because someone has a scandal also is qualified from being a man of the spirit. I'm just saying that it is important that the I told you there are nuances of the man of the spirit. There's a way of life of the man of the spirit. There's a way they act. Men of the spirit are upright. They are perfect. What is striving to reach that by the help of the spirit. You see what I'm saying? So, it was by things they could discern. They could see about them. It says, men full of the Holy Ghost. Men full of wisdom. You see what I'm saying? And then they were the ones they chose. So, before they laid hands on them to be digging, they were already men of the spirit. I'm trying to show you that ordinary members are supposed to and they are not ordinary for any people. I just use that to say members are supposed to be men of the Spirit. Men full of the Holy Ghost. They must have been consistent in things like consecration, obedience, bravery. Look at Philip. He went to a new city. Do you know he did not plan to go there? It was persecution that made him go there. And he got there. And just because he's a man of the Spirit, it was evident. He started preaching. To the point that the Bible says there was a there was great joy in Samaria because of one man. One man's testimony is that there is great joy in a city. Are you listening to me? He might have gone there by mistake. Some of you, as he went there by persecution, you came here by immigration. But can it be said about you that there is great joy in Windsor because you came here? That's the reality of a man of the spirit. Nobody needs to cajole a man of the spirit to do these things. It's, it's, it's the life of a man of the spirit. It's the life of a man of the spirit. You are always looking, how best can I fulfill the great commission? How best can I represent Jesus in this place? That's the reality of a man of the spirit. Please, are you listening to me? 
It says in First Timothy 4.13 or rather 15. It says meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them that your profiting may appear to all. There's a way your profiting can be discerned by all. It can be. Are you following me? We would not need to announce it. Just know. She's a person of prayer. And of the Spirit. So, when we look at the early church and we look at the church today, there should be no drop in intensity. No drop in ability. That's orthodoxy. That's orthodoxy. Everybody in the early church was expressive. They were evangelical. Everywhere they sent them to, they were winning souls. That's the, that's the reality. Say, that's my life. I don't think I've taught people how to respond. Say, that's my life. Hallelujah. It can be replicated in your life. It can be. They, were, they didn't care about self-preservation. They cared about doing ministry. And that was important. I want to emphasize today another thing that I believe must be evident in the life of man of the spirit. And this will bless you. I like to call it a sufficiency mindset. Why am I saying this? No one who has been great in God's kingdom has ever done so without having a sufficiency mindset. Hear what I said? Let me prefer it. Did you hear what I said, everybody? What did I say? No one has been great in God's kingdom without a sufficiency mindset. Open your Bibles. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, verse 12. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. I want us to read together. Are you all there? Are you good tired? No? Alright. Are we ready to read? Alright, let's read together. One, two, go. And I thank our Lord who has enabled me because he has counted me what? Faithful. Putting me where? Who is speaking? Who is speaking? Apostle Paul. Who is he speaking to? Timothy. Okay. Oh, that's true. I've not given people this one before. It's always officials. It's always Paul to the church in Ephesus. That's good. So who is speaking now? So... Who was speaking in the book of Jude? <laughs> it was Jude that was speaking, writing a letter. Who was speaking in Thessalonians? To who? Thessa what? <laughs> who was speaking in First John? Why is it not Paul? It was not his time. <laughs> okay. Alright. Let's go back to our let's go back to our, our teaching. Alright, first Timothy 1 12. Are you ready to read? Alright, let's read together. One to go. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me. Paul says, I'm thankful to God because He has enabled me. He says, because He counted me faithful. Putting me in the ministry. This is what the sufficiency mindset starts from. 
thank God for enabling me. Thank God for enabling me, for putting me in the ministry. Are you grateful to God for such? The Bible says that you are that, that you are ambassadors of Christ. He has given you the ministry of reconciliation. One way or the other, you have a ministry. You might not get to pastor as I'm pastoring, but you have a Every believer has a ministry. The ministry of what? Reconciliation. To preach the gospel. But Paul says, thank God for counting me worthy. He says, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy. First of all, listen guys, it is a great privilege that we get to share the gospel of Jesus. That we get to be responsible for other people in the kingdom of God. Please, are you listening to me? He says, thank you, Jesus, for enabling me. He's grateful. And this is important. In the rest of the text, he says, this is powerful. He says, that's verse what? Verse 13, 14. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was what? Exceedingly abundant with faith and love, and love which are in Christ Jesus. Verse 15. He says, this is a saying. And worthy of all acceptance that Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul is telling that I'm grateful because even with my past, God can commit his message to me. I'm thankful. Some of you know your past. you thankful. <laughs> Are you listening to me? He says in verse 16, he says, however, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe in him for everlasting life. What is Paul telling you? Paul is saying with his history, if God could forgive him and make him useful for the kingdom, how much more you? I don't think you've done as bad as Paul did. He was killing believers. Paul said God has used this as a pattern. He says if he could save me, chief sinner, how much more you? This, this is sufficiency this is the first important thing when you are learning sufficiency that it is God, it is by God's grace not by anything I can do that I am where I am I have obtained mercy that's why I am where I am it's a privilege to be counted worthy and holy to be called a child of God it's a privilege God used stammerers in the Bible he used Moses he used Jeremiah. He used people that didn't seem like they were worth it. So, a man of the spirit is someone who must realize and remember that there's a sufficiency mindset. You serve a God who, ah, he has a track record of doing the impossible. He says, thank God who has enabled me. Thank God. When you look at someone like me, I, I like to use myself as an example. I'll be vulnerable in this teaching. There's nothing supernatural about my call. When I say supernatural, not that it's totally void of supernatural. I'm saying there's, there's nothing extraordinary about my call. My mother did not hear in her womb that I'll be a pastor. I'm telling you. Nothing in my childhood pointed them to the fact that I'll be a pastor. I was born normally like every other child. I used to, you know, when they tell you their stories, their grandfather, then their father, then their, all of them pastors. So they already knew. Remember in the womb, the mother already, an angel told her, your son shall be, nothing. But all I can say is I am who I am because of God. 
That's what I'm teaching. That's sufficiency. This is how the man of the spirit thinks. And this is going to help you climb and surpass every insurmountable task that is ahead of you. Are you listening to me? It is important. I had nothing like that. I might even have a worse history than some of you. Like Paul said. So maybe God is putting me as an example for you to see. Some of you don't know I have a history. <laughs> Amen. I was a Nigerian boy in King's College, Lagos. You know what that is. That's all I can say for now. Amen? If you cannot, anything you cannot think that I cannot do. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. I had nothing like that. But listen, I am who I am. Because of God. Listen, this is important. Whatever it is God has asked you to do, it doesn't matter how impossible you think it is. It matters more who sent you. Are you listening to me? It matters more what? Who sent you? It's profound. Listen, I will know that I've preached a good sermon today. If when I'm done with the sermon, you dust that book, you pick up that vision, and you do all God has asked you to do. Are you listening to me? anything that has limited you I am teaching you how a man of the spirit acts I am who I am because of God not because of anything I can do not because of any way I can speak I am who I am because of God please are you listening to me everybody this is important it's an object I want you to be doers and not hearers alone I want to teach you how to navigate God's call over your life I want to teach you how to be effective as a man of the spirit. Listen, men of the spirit speak like this. They talk like this. Are you listening to me? This is how they speak. They don't think just their abilities. They think God's ability because God specializes in impossible. So are you listening to me? This is, how we do. this is how we speak as men of the spirit. Listen, many of the things, 80% of the things God will instruct you to do in your life will seem bigger than you. Are you listening to me? It will seem bigger than you. But how would you do it? It is by a sufficiency mindset. I am who I am. Because of God. In 1 Corinthians 15 10, the apostle Paul says the same thing. He says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. He says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. This response has become, you know, an autonomous one, like a, a, a a planned response from anyone. Say, ah, how do you do it? Say, it's grace. So, you don't really mean it's grace. It's just a response. <laughs> but can you be intentional about it and see that I am what I am? Because when you learn this, when things stand before you, fear will disappear. Because it will no longer be about what you can do. It will be about who has sent you. Can I be practical? It is the same reason you have not gone out to evangelism. I will put that at Listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, the goal is to put damnation. The goal is to challenge you. Are you listening to, these are, these are the things that challenge you. My sufficiency is in God. Not in anything. I am who I am because of God. Are you listening to me? I am what I am by the grace of, I didn't get here by my intelligence or personal exertion. By, and the same way, the things I would go ahead, I would not do by my intelligence or personality. I would trust in the grace of God to see me. I am what I am by the grace of God. 
you listening to me? When you understand this, you understand that success in the will of God is not what you are thinking. Success in the will of God is playing your part in God's time agenda, God's end time agenda. Some of us might have been called to public ministry. And if we feel at our duty, would have made weak the agenda of God. Some of you might have been called to partner with ministries like this. And if you fail in your part, you make us weaker. Some of you might have been called just as members to preach to people and bring them to church. If you fail at that, you have failed and made us weaker, the body. Can you stand up and say, Lord, everything you have asked me to do, I will do. Because I am what I am because your grace. Fear will disappear when this happens. Are you listening to me? Because if you realize that where you are, you didn't do by your efforts, you realize that what is asking you to do, you can't do by your efforts. Trust grace. And you will trust his grace. Because are you following me, everybody? And this is important. You have a part to play. How do I fulfill this plan? When we dream B, it's not you exuberance because we know that anything we are about to do we can do because of the grace of God not because of anything we are looking at are you listening to me we have our parts to play I said before that I was going to be vulnerable let me tell you I, I have had moments of weakness myself doesn't sound familiar don't think it happened I'm telling you I have had first moments of where I'm like how I remember when I first started discipling people, I was not as well, as well spoken as this. Oh my God. I can't listen to myself. I used to preach then. Ah, just told me, bro, what I said. Last time I did, I was like, guy, what did they talk? <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? But imagine I didn't start. You know, I was in a camp meeting in Lagos. I traveled. I asked God one question. He said, why did you ask me to study? I was actually in the place I was. Do you understand what I'm saying? I just felt like I always wanted to ask God. But I, you know, you don't want to doubt what God has told you. But for the first time, I was back home after I left. And I'm like, why? Like, oh, sorry, you, master. I, I just want to ask you. <laughs> Because I could have just easily stayed here and continued to serve. Especially because pioneering is noisy. Ask why? And I can't remember verbatim the answer I got. But he told me, he said, because I want to create a unique voice for you that would not have been possible for a partner. He said, there is a uniqueness and a freshness to the message I've given you that will reach some parts of the world that would have not been so hitherto. He said, I'm giving you that uniqueness. So, I imagined and I said, God, these kind of sayings, they are heavy. At this stage of my life, your voice <laughs> to where? But the only way I can follow such calls is by saying, I am who I am. Because of what God has done. Because of God. Because I know who is backing me. I'm telling you, I've had vulnerable moments. When I started, I was insecure. I was insecure that I would teach people and they would surpass me. I was insecure. 
Oh, you don't believe? I sound too fast. <laughs> I was. One of my biggest challenges was, God, how will I continue to see message teach these people four years later? Because if I teach them understanding the gospel, prayer, Holy Ghost, don't finish. <laughs> Why will I get topic? And I don't want to go and be forming topic, the mysteries of the age. <laughs> you know? It will just be bad. You know, there was no manual on how to change from a member to a pastor. There was no manual. No. About it. I took my hand. I'm telling you. Between last two years and this year, he gave us a unique voice. Are you listening to me? When you begin to go, you will know that no one sounds like me. The only person I sound like is Apostle Emmanuel Aaron. And that's because he trained. Do you understand what I'm saying? But other than that, you can see the distinction in the message God has given us. You can see it in our teaching ministry. Very clear. God took me by the hand. I cannot say, and that's what is common with every great person God has used. They don't do it on their, they never claim it's by them. They always say, it is by the grace of God. Because we know. Look at the generals. They lived ordinary life before God called them. Someone like Catherine Kuman who divorced like two times or so before she started doing a solid work with God. They can, they, some of them are plumbers. But they knew that the moment God called them, they had God's backing. All they did was follow simple obedience. Are you listening to me? If you learn this, your life will change. Simple obedience. I'm telling you, I had moments of weakness. How will I go forward? How? What, what will I do? How now will I teach all these people? Especially when souls are involved. The Bible says those of you that are teachers will be judged higher, heavier. So if I play with the souls of people, God will judge me heavier. That was a big body in my heart. God, how do I do it? How do I ensure that what I'm teaching is, is, is something that will sustain your life forever? How do I believe that the quality of the sermons I'm teaching you is good enough for you? The Bible says, it says, it says study to show yourself approved. Rightly dividing the word of, of truth. So there's a standard in God. How am I sure I'm meeting God's standard? But all I if you called me God you will sustain me if I had not started then I will not be here today some of you just need to start and trust that you have sufficiency in God I remember God started refining me started refining me. sent me to certain programs that refined me I remember one day one of my friends called me I was so angry I was like say I listened to you say you used to shout I was so angry. But I went to sit down. Started thinking. Started practicing. So if you notice, I do an up and down motion. I talk softly, but when I want to get your attention, I yell. You hear what I'm saying when I yell, and the point I'm making when I yell, you hear. Then I come back soft. When I want to make emphasis, when I'm getting to the charge of my sermon, I go again, pa, 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 to stir you up. And I went for conferences where they started teaching about teaching strategies, hand movements, all those things. You know, calling your attention, telling you to read all these things. Canada, you are being one of the hardest people to teach. <laughs> it's not an insult, listen, because cultures are different. Do you understand what I'm saying? Cultures are different. And actually, now you're not, it's not as hard. When we first started, oh my God. When we were last year, I was not used to it. <laughs> I'll be preaching so 
What's wrong? I wanted something. I want to drop the back. I said, Are you listening to me? So, all those things I had to learn. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this to you vulnerably. So, you know that I don't even think I'm perfect. And I wasn't perfect when I started. I wasn't even close to what I am now when I started. I get what I'm saying. My pronunciations were bad. Now they are still rubbish, but I still cry. <laughs> I get what I'm saying. So, I'm, I'm striving to hit that perfection, but I know it's not about me. We've seen such great impact in this ministry, those insecurities. Do you understand? We're holding meetings in three cities. That same insecure boy. Can you trust that you have a backing in God? Can you? Romans 9 says, For it is not for, by him who will it, nor of him who run it, but by God who showeth mercy. There's something called an election of grace. That if God has said you should do something, it does not matter. Have you noticed some people will be doing the same thing that God has called you to do by their efforts? They will put a lot of effort, but you, just because God said it will happen in your life, by grace you will attain it. Same, even more result. Are you listening to me? He says to Moses, I will have mercy on you. There's something like that. It means that there are some people God is blessing simply because they are in his will. Are you getting it? And there's nothing anybody who is doing by personal exertion can do to stop it or to even match that work. If God has told you something, can you trust him? Trust him. What will God have me do? This is important. Can you trust what God is asking you to do? Look at John. John the Baptist. They say, ah, that man that you baptize, his disciples are baptizing, you know, their ministry is growing. He says, no man can have anything God has not given him. See what I'm saying? If God has given you an assignment, trust that he will back you up. He says, but by the grace of God. Go back to 1 Corinthians 15, 10. I have a lot to share that is heavy in my heart, but time. Just agree and prophesy that in the name of Jesus, we just everything blocking the way or us getting our new building, a new hall, it's just taking away in the name of Jesus. Ease to the process. Ease to the process in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Go back to First Corinthians 15 10, everybody. Are you all there? He says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not what? In vain. So, can grace be in vain? Oh, it can. (laughs) It can. That's what he's saying. The only grace that cannot be in vain is salvific grace. That's grace for salvation. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's the only grace that cannot be in vain. But when it comes to charismatic grace, he says, I labored. So it will not be in vain. Are you getting what I'm saying? He says, he started by saying, I am what I am by the grace of God. And this is another, there's another extreme where people believe that, okay, yes, God has engraced me for this. But you are sitting on your couch, you are generating it, and the call of God is lying dormant in your life. Are you seeing what I'm saying? It's another extreme. Listen, there must be a balance. He says, by God's grace, the grace bestowed upon me was not in vain. How? He says, I labored. Meaning, if you don't labor, grace will be in vain. It does not matter that you have a great destiny. If you don't do anything about it, it will be great. Are you listening to me? It must be a balance. 
must be. All the people who are successful in God's plan, they were brave. They did every. If you don't do, the grace can be. It will be there and it will lie dormant. It doesn't matter that God has said those things. How many years ago did God say you will be a voice for the nations? You are not even speaking to your class, your family, your local government. There's grace on you. Give God something to work with. Are you getting what I'm saying? Labor. Give the grace something to function with. Labor. If God said, ah, Mike, I'm taking nation. And people will hear your voice and say, I'm using it as a weapon for my kingdom. Imagine I didn't start the fellowship when I started. I say, ah, he's taking nations. Nothing is going to happen. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Because that's the thing about the sovereignty of God. In God's sovereignty, he allowed and even though God, in God's sovereignty, he can superimpose the natural, he wants to partner with your free will. Don't allow him. Those things he's saying over your life will not come true. That's the sovereignty of God. You know, God is sovereign, meaning that he can do whatever he likes. You understand what I'm saying? But in his sovereignty, he allowed free will. He said, you know what? Man should be able to think and choose his path. But God wants to partner with you. That's sovereign. He has said this about your life. He would only establish his will over your life if you align with it. Do you get what I'm saying? That doesn't mean he can't superimpose it. But God has those standards. He gave his will for everything. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And this is important. Paul said this because grace can't be in vain. He says, I labored more abundantly. It doesn't matter the amount of times hands have been laid on you. Don't labor to match it. Give it something to work with. You are sleeping on your bed. So angels ascending and angels descending. And they gave you prophetic word now. Okay, oh. You will do this. Windsor is waiting. You are on your bed. Windsor will wait and die. God will raise another person that will do it. Am I, am I staring something? So, anybody who is a man of the spirit must be brave. Have you noticed? Men of God that do things for God are always audacious. They are always brave. Do they sound mad to you sometimes? Like maybe they are proud. It's because it takes bravery to walk with God. It takes, God is telling Abraham, he says, look at the stars. As many as you can count. That's how many children I will give. Remember, Abraham was barren. His wife was barren at that time. It doesn't make sense. You are telling a man who has no child that you'll be a father of many nations. Made no sense. But God did not expect Abraham to look through his lens. God expected Abraham to look through that sufficiency nature of God. That if God said it, he can do it. He can back it up. All you need to do is be brave. Believe. And the Bible says, Abraham believed and it was counted to him for what? For righteousness. Just because of that simple obedience, Abraham was blessed. Can I teach you simple obedience this evening, guys? What has God asked you to do? Just do. Just do. I remember, I, I didn't become a, I, I didn't become the way I am by sitting down. No. There was a time I was scared of going out to preach. I had received many rejections that my heart was paining me in this Canada. I'm telling you. I didn't tell you when we come to your house that we used to go. One time, I didn't feel like going out. So pastor doesn't feel like going out. Wow. Can you see what I'm saying? I didn't. But I still went out. I remember Riverside, we'll be walking. Some guys will see us, they will turn back and go. 
because they knew us already. It was annoying. But we still continue. There was actually a time we stopped going for like two weeks. But we said no. It cannot stop. And I use evangelism because it's the most common. It's the one that you are not doing. <laughs> but there's more. There, there are other things God has asked you to do. Can you just be brave? This is where brave you're going to be a man of the spirit, you're going to have to be brave. What did I say? You're going to have to be brave. You're going to have to do something about what God has told you. Have you not written that book? God says, right? Have you not planned that meeting? Have you not tried to record that song? So that, that's what I'm talking about. At least that. That. You know what I say? Post a gathering of believers praying in your house. You have been arguing, ah, my house is not fine enough. Start! Amen. Start. Start. This is important. You had that idea to take to your garden of people. Start. Start. I'll talk to my classmate about the gospel. Second semester has been. Bring your last. <laughs> I've almost finished school. Still don't know the gospel. This is not easy. By simple obedience, I made a boy from 80s to became a Christian. That's a step to When I met him, not believe God exists. When I left him, he could not say for certain that there's no God. He was just not willing to pursue. So is that it? Oh God, for another person to work, and it might be me, but he's still, still my good friend. You know what? Create yours, try yours. Yes, you know, you, I can give you ideas, implement them, watch videos. I'm going to talk about preparation on, on Sunday, about things like this. What's the worst? No, they'll say leave me alone. But trust the one who sent you. That, that's, that's what I'm saying. The worst that will come out is that people don't listen to the song. Or you have done what God has asked you. <laughs> Amen. At least we that you are a church member will see. Amen. But do it. Do you know the funniest thing? God's plan for you at that time might not necessarily for that dobari might just be for the person that will take you to the next level to meet you. Someone might just hear your song and say, ah, where are you, Windsor? Ah, I'm a producer in Windsor. That's it. Ob- simple obedience will change everything. So his grace will not be says, I labor. I labor. Please labor. Stop the excuses. I make it, let me give you some more. And give you five more minutes of instruction. All the apostles except that were teenagers were older than them. And they took the gospel to the nations. <laughs> so where you say, oh, shy, hey, teenager. That you will see them. If that means if you were there at that time, you are one of those adults that will say, face your book, face your book. When they are gospel to nations. 
That's why. <laughs> this is important. Don't labor. You wouldn't call of God on your life. Labor. Can we just everything God has asked us to do? Success in the word of God is not success in the sight of men. It is literally doing what God has asked you to do. Simple faith, simple obedience will change your life. Just being vulnerable, I'll tell you a bit. Workforce of the Catholic Church, I've always seen it as a very. Because some of the things I say sound too audacious. Like, how are we going to do it? I remember. You are the word of. Man, are we good? Idiotive. Okay. Can we continue? Please, are you following me? I remember when we started, it didn't look like it. I was discipling six people. Yeah, I started fellowship. Simple faith. God, fellowship. Me. Okay. I did it. Simple obedience. Told our people after I was discipling six people. They opened the door. God told me that next year I would do 10 times the number I was doing before. By June, we are 70. What if I didn't listen? You see what I'm saying? We're 17. Every camp we have done, we've always needed a space time studio with your space. Do you see this year's camp? Talking about Lagos camp. Always needed. For the first time we were doing camp in different cities. I remember I said we'll start doing a week, three hours prayer. We did it once as a special meeting. I said we'll do it always. But like, sir, what you saying? We've not failed. You get what I'm saying? Then I told them, the one that even broke the camel's back, they were going to Canada. <laughs> they looked at me like, are you, <laughs> are you, are you normal? See, there have been not many people were here at that beginning. I'll just say, if you, are, if you are honest, when you saw me when we started that time, you look at me like it's normal. <laughs> I remember, where were we using? Huron, no. Howard. Remember Howard? Oh, yes. I'm sure I look like one bad man. Simple faith. Did. Simple faith. We did special meeting. Last, every last Saturday of the month. We had those special meetings. Where was the money going to come from? I remember the first meeting. I bought equipment. I rented equipment. Rented everything. <laughs> Simple. God has said. Last year, I said we should do Believer's Bible course. This year, another one is coming. This year, he has told me to do like three meetings in Ontario. I'm going to do a men's conference. I'm going to have those meetings. I'm going to have a special meeting. One in Windsor, one in Ottawa, and one in... Who do? Simple obedience. Don't learn anything from this teaching. Learn that. Simple obedience. If God has said do this, do Play your part in what God is asking. You believe and if you play your part you're brave God will back you up rise to your feet you're just going to pray that simple prayer 
the Lord as a man of the spirit that I am I want to walk more in bravery that nothing that you have given me to do in this year will fall to the floor I begin to make impact in all that you've sent me to do begin to pray everybody in the mighty name of Jesus father we are brave we walk in bravery as men of the spirit everything that you've laid on our hands and you've given us to do we begin to put them to practice we begin to do them we begin to execute